Welcome, everybody, to the show. I am, of course, Sean Callahan. This is For Pod's Sake, bringing you the latest, the greatest, what's worst, what's first in U.S. politics, current events, and pop culture. First up tonight, what is going on in Minnesota? If you haven't been paying attention, um, the Supreme Court in the state of Minnesota, in America, just ruled that a man cannot be charged with rape if a woman uh, became intoxicated of her own accord. That's right, people. You heard that. After uh, a four-year-long case, the Supreme Court unanimously ruled that uh, Francois Momelieu Kali, who's 24 years old, cannot be found guilty of rape because the woman he raped got drunk voluntarily beforehand. What the fuck is happening, people? Now, that's okay in the state of Minnesota. If you're a woman, you have a few, a little, a few too many. You have something to drink, and some guy, and you pass out, and some guy rapes you. He can't, he won't be charged with rape. What is going on? I feel like I'm taking fucking crazy pills, honestly. As the partner of a woman. As a father raising four future women, as the son of a woman, as the brother of a woman, I I don't know where this thing is headed. I know I say that all the time, and it's probably frustrating, but what the hell does that mean when, when that's the case, when there can't be justice um, for this young woman? It was based on uh, a case. So this is what was at issue with this Khalil's case specifically. Um, because of state law in Minnesota, it says that a person is only considered mentally incapacitated and incapable of consenting to sex if they are intoxicated on substances, quote, administered to that person without the person's agreement. So... If you slip a roofie to a girl and take her home and pass out and rape her, then they'll charge you with rape. But if she's just out with her girlfriends having a good time, having a few drinks, having a few shots on an empty stomach, and she winds up blacking out somewhere, that guy who decides to violate her when she's clearly not consenting, he's not being charged with that. Um, which is absolutely insane. And that's what happened in this case. This woman went out. Uh, to a bar. Uh, the bouncer wouldn't let her in. She had had too many before she had even gotten there. And these guys were outside. Uh, they, uh, you know, approached them and said, oh, we're going to go to a party. Come with us. They got into the car, uh, went, didn't go to a party, was brought back to someone's house. The girl immediately passed out on the couch. She woke up to this guy raping her. And she said, no, you know, get off me or whatever it was. And uh, he said something stupid, but you're so hot or whatever. And she passed out again, woke up seven or eight in the morning with her shorts around her ankles. Her and her friend went off and I actually think got a rape kit done and um, and filed charges with the police a few days later. And I didn't realize this, but it's also insane that Minnesota as a state is among uh, a majority of states in America 
that treat intoxication as um, as a roadblock to consent only if those people um, become drunk against their will. If their drink is spiked or, you know, the punch is spiked at a party. I don't know if anyone still does that. But uh, and this is according to The Washington Post. As of 2016, intoxication provisions in 40 states did not include situations in which someone chose to consume drugs or alcohol. I I don't understand this. America loves to be about all about freedom and personal choice, and you can do whatever you want. So you can choose to go and get wasted. That's fine. We support that choice. But if you get raped, well, it was your own fault. You you chose to to do that. What about the the choice not to be raped? What about the choice to be able to go out and get drunk and have a good time, and not be violated? You know, I. I hate to say it, but I'd love to see any of these Supreme Court justices or any people who worked on this case in this opinion, any of these men who made this decision, because um, you know they were men. I mean, that has to be obvious. No woman in her right mind could could fight for, for that situation. But uh, any anybody who ruled on this case, Supreme Court justice, I'd love for them to get wasted and uh, their nice virgin little buttholes get violated, get a group of some well-hung gay men and uh, and just have at it. And when they're walking funny for a week, let's see if they have a different opinion. So that's one of the, the latest uh, crazy things out of the States. And again, from the Washington Post, I didn't realize this, but apparently of the nearly 10 million U.S. women who have been raped while intoxicated. 10 million. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, according to uh, background in the court opinion, um, most of them became drunk by choice, as if that changes anything. The, The most important part of that sentence is that 10 million women have been raped just in that instance alone. How how many how many in the world have been violated in this in this sense? I've known too many to count just from my own personal life, friends, ex girlfriends, all kinds of uh, people that coworkers have confided in me about various assaults. It's it's disgusting, it's sickening that there's that many predatory creeps, awful men out there. And uh, I honestly thought most men were better than that. The men I grew up around, uh, I I believe are, but I guess we're in the the minority. Um, uh, And that's the thing is because, you know, some of these women, they'll choose to to drink. And this isn't um, this isn't a a barring uh, that uh, incapacitated legal standard. You know, they pointed out in the case that so many of these offenders, they prey on people in that exact type of situation. Predators look for drunk girls to take advantage of. And now there's nothing in the law to to back up or to punish these assholes when they commit these crimes. So um, I, I don't know. It's just absolutely unbelievably shocking. The other big news out of America this week is uh, the uh, the Republicans' war on voting 
in the United States. Now, for people outside of America, uh, obviously they've realized, you caught the news, I'm sure, that Joe Biden sailed to victory in the United States, got over 7 million votes in the popular vote, and won the Electoral College, and even flipped certain states that went uh, and would traditionally go Republican, like um, uh, was it Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, quite a few states that had gone for Donald Trump flipped back and uh, uh, Joe Biden actually won uh, Georgia, which hadn't been won by a Democrat, I think, since the early 90s, maybe even earlier than that. And uh, so he flipped it blue. And then there was a Senate runoff and two senators, Democratic senators, were also elected in Georgia, a southern state in America. And so now the Republicans realize the only way they can stay in power is if they can prevent people from voting. Because Americans are, especially in major cities, and a city like Atlanta has a large black population, statistically, generally, black Americans will vote Democratic. I don't know, probably because... uh, Voting for Republicans seems to be completely against uh, a person's own best interest. If you're not a rich white man, I don't know why you would uh, vote Republican, but that's a story for another day. But so this is this is their new thing now is to wage a war on the actual act of voting in America to make it as hard for black people and other minorities to vote as possible. Because if we can keep them away from voting, we can get enough white people to vote Republican to still win elections. That's the playbook that they're in in America now is voter disenfranchisement as the bedrock of the Republican Party moving into the future. So they've started to roll out these new uh, new voting laws in Georgia. And they're pretty open about. Uh, and uh, admitting this, they're not even saying, oh, fraud and all these other ridiculous allegations, which obviously proved not to be true. You know, Donald Trump constantly said that the election was stolen from him. It wasn't. He fucking lost fair and square. They investigated and recounted every vote. And you know what? He lost. And the guy is a narcissistic sociopath and cannot utter the words, I lost. He's incapable of doing it. That's how you have to understand this guy. So the Republicans did go out and try to make some bullshit claims. Oh, there's fraud. And so we need to revamp our elections and how we do them, even though this was the most secure election that the United States has had maybe in its history. But a woman, uh, Alice Olenek, who's the chairwoman of the Gwinnett County Election Board down there in Georgia, um, was open and, and brazen about admitting what this tactic is. And it's about disenfranchising Democratic voters and primarily black voters in Georgia. She said, quote, after the uh, terrible election cycle in 2020, obviously when Republicans lost both Georgia Senate seats and Biden won the state's electoral college votes, she said, now I'm like a dog with a bone, she told fellow Republicans in January. I will not let them end this session without changing some of these laws. They don't have to change all of them, but they've got to change the major parts so we at least have a fighting chance. I mean, uh, unbelievable. They had another guy, this conservative lawyer, this is all in the Washington Post, uh, Michael Carvin, and he was representing the uh, Republican National Committee, uh, excuse me, Republican National Committee in an Arizona voting rights case before the Supreme Court. 
Uh, and he was equally uh, upfront, completely transparent. And uh, when Justice uh, Amy Coney Barrett asked why the RNC was involved in the case, in particular, why it had an interest in preventing people from having their votes counted if they were, say, cast in the wrong precinct, he um, he didn't even pretend. He said, because it puts us at a competitive disadvantage relative to Democrats. He said, politics is a zero sum game and every extra vote they get through uh, through unlawful interpretations of the Voting Rights Act hurts us. So it's obvious it's about making it as hard as possible for anyone who doesn't vote Republican to vote. Uh, what some of the new laws do, they, they increase voter uh, voter ID requirements. For casting absentee ballots, they limit the use of mobile uh, polling places and drop boxes because they can't be located outdoors or, uh, you know, during outside uh, regular business hours. They bar state officials from mailing unsolicited absentee ballots to voters and uh, also prevent voter mobilization groups from sending absentee ballot applications to voters. And they compress the time period before the runoff elections. So in doing so, they guarantee uh, weekend early voting hours. Um, but what, one of the most astonishing things they say, again, as already reported, is they make it a criminal act to give food or drinks to people waiting in line to vote. Because apparently they said this could somehow uh, corruptly influence voters. Even though people are waiting on extremely ridiculous long lines, especially in black communities, in order to vote. But now it's illegal to give somebody a bottle of water or to give some somebody a bite to eat while they're waiting four hours to vote in America, which is supposed to be this uh, bastion of democracy. So obviously there's lawsuits against this that are coming out, but... Um, you know, as some of these things have come out, they said a lawsuit filed by uh, voting rights groups to challenge the Georgia law noted that polling places in majority black neighborhoods make up just a third of Georgia polling places, but accounted for two thirds of those that had to stay open late to accommodate long lines in the primaries. And according to the lawsuit, the average wait time in Georgia after the polls were scheduled to close with six minutes in neighborhoods that were at least 90% white and 51 minutes in places that were at least 90% non-white. So, you know, these restrictions are, are brazenly obvious as to who they're targeting. And it's to the, to the detriment of black voters, black voters, especially in, uh, in urban areas, they tend to have, uh, less, access to to the uh, the forms of id they want you know if people live in a city and they're taking mass transport a lot of people don't have licenses driver's licenses it's very common for white people in the suburbs to have a car and to drive around but if your black person takes a subway and the bus everywhere and you live in the city a lot of people just never learn how to drive there's no need for it so they don't have the proper forms of id they have jobs that make it harder to get to the polls during business hours a lot of these jobs, lower in um, lower income, lower wage jobs, you know, these necessary functions in society, but also not the ones where you can just kind of take off. It's not, um, you know, 
some uh, majority time white collar job where you can just dip out real quick and have a vote and come back. You know, these people are the backbone of the country doing the jobs that most people don't want to be doing. Um, and they are. Uh, they're uh, making it harder to get to the polls um, with uh, fewer polling places and just longer lines in general. So that's what's going on in Georgia. That's what's going on with the GOP right now. Uh, it's a war on voting because if people in America vote, they're getting more liberal. America is getting browner and more and more people, at least prior to COVID, were flocking to cities. And when people get together in cities... They mingle with other people unlike them, and they get to realize what's different about us and how much is actually in common. And that's why there's cities, especially in America, but probably all over the world, tend to skew liberal all the time. If you live out in a rural area where you're only in a, around a homogenous society, you're only around white people who are Christian who believe what you believe, listen to the same music, eat the same food, everything else, it's very easy to, to just be afraid of or to be uh, discriminate against, quote, the other people you've never met, people you've never interacted with. And it's very easy to write them off and put them into groups. And so that's why you have this major divide. It's not a north-south divide in the United States. It's an urban-rural divide. And constantly in cities around America, you look at the electoral maps, even in red states and in all the rural counties, they went for Trump. And if then the one city in that rural state is always blue, it always goes Democrat. How could that be? It's because when people get together and talk to each other and hang out, they realize that a lot of these boundaries are bullshit and they break down and people have a lot more in common. And they realize and are exposed to different ideas and ways of thinking and see that these polarizing bullshit politics from the Republicans only serve the status quo and white supremacy in the United States. So that's what's going on with that. And lastly, in this week's uh, wrap up of, of odd news, a, um, a woman up in New Hampshire gave birth to her son at age 57. Jesus Christ. Now, as a father of four, two of whom are two and a half year old twins, I can't imagine the level of how tired this woman is about to be. Jesus, at 57, to be a new mom. But reading that article, obviously, it was from in vitro fertilization, and it was actually a nice story because the poor woman lost her daughter, one of her daughters, to a brain tumor and then didn't think she'd ever have another child. And she herself came down with a brain tumor and they operated on her and she wound up getting pregnant after all this, after this insane ordeal. And now, you know, it's a happy story. I hate to, you know, be a naysayer and, and draw attention to the fact that she's going to be tired as shit real quick. I think it's a, a lovely piece of positive news that this woman has given birth to a son. The father is like 65. She's 57. So, um, Yeah. Things are going to look a little strange at uh, school drop-off when mom and dad are uh, rolling up in a rascal scooter to send off their their kid to kindergarten. But, it, you know, whatever. To each his own. I think it's fantastic. All sarcasm aside. The more insane thing that I learned uh, from that news is that there was actually a, uh, a woman in 2004 named uh, Jacqueline Dallenberg of Ohio 
who gave birth to her own grandchildren at 56 because she served as a surrogate for her daughter. Um, so that, I mean, just think, she gave birth to her own grandchildren. That's fucking insane and crazy. It's awesome, I guess, in a way. But uh, it's also uh, just kind of weird. I feel like it's from an episode of Futurama or something. But anyway, a lot still happening uh, in the news. Coming up, uh, people will be talking about this trial with Derek Chauvin, obviously in the case of George Floyd. Um, And we will see what happens then. So another brief weekend wrap up. Oh, and the last thing is you should check out that uh, gigantic ship that's stuck in the Suez Canal, if you haven't already. It's insane. There's a ship, if you haven't heard, that drifted. It's longer than the Empire State Building is tall, and it sort of Tokyo drifted in the Suez Canal, got uh, ran uh, aground, and nobody can get this thing out. So if you've ordered something uh, overseas from uh, Alibaba, it may be a while before you get it. So that's it for now. Have a good night. Speak soon.